We'll share the data each Sunday and say to people, look, retell the story, find a new story in this data set, just think about ways in which you could improve or create a new visualization based on this data set and the original chart. This episode of Data Stories is sponsored by the Center for Interdisciplinary Methodologies at the University of Warwick, where students can study subjects such as visualization, big data, digital sociology, advanced quantitative research, and spatial methods, including geographic information systems, all the way to user interface cultures and playful media, and much more. Check out their website at warwick.ac.uk slash data stories. That's W-A-R-W-I-C-K dot A-C dot U-K slash data stories. everyone welcome to a new episode of data stories hey moritz hey enrico how's it going good very good how are things for you good 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 very nice uh lots of work as usual but going yeah. well going well very good how about you good busy i just launched a new project i don't know uh, did you see it it's called the rhythm of food it's quite nice yeah i saw it i saw a preview yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's a it's a collaboration with google news lab And uh, uh, I use Google Trends data to look at seasonality in food queries, like when do people search for which types of dishes and recipes and ingredients. And yeah, yeah. that turned out to be super interesting. It's like hundreds <laughs> of different foods you can explore. And we try to extract some patterns and add some annotations. Uh, yeah, and I think it turned out quite nice. You you have a thing with food. <laughs> There is a thing going on with food. I keep coming back to that. That's, <laughs> that's true. It's been a few years already. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's a good thing. It's one of life's pleasures, isn't it? So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing more. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what next year brings. Maybe a cookbook. Yeah. That would be nice. <laughs> That would be nice. <laughs> And organizing a few events around it. That, that yeah, would be yeah. really cool as well. Yeah. So, okay. Today we have um, a couple of guests to talk about a really, really nice project. This is called Makeover Mondays. And the idea is to, so what, what they do with Makeover Mondays is to publish every week a new chart and a new data set and ask people to redesign them and uh, publish a new version in their website. Uh, this is called Makeover Monday. And the uh, two guys behind these beautiful projects are Andy Cotgreave and Andy Kribel. Hi, Andy's. Welcome on the show. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Hi, guys. How are you? Very well, indeed. It's a fine, sunny November day. <laughs> so finally, we have, again, some proper British voices on the, on the show. <laughs> one British voice. One British, one British, one British voice. voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, don't insult me like that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Okay, so Andy, Andy, Andy Cotgreave and Andy Kribble, can you uh, briefly introduce yourself to let our listeners know a, more, a little more about you, and then we can dive right into the uh, topic? 
Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I'm Andy Cotgreave. I'm technical evangelist at Tableau. I've been with Tableau for five years and been oh, in this field of data visualization for about 10 years. I blog at gravyanecdote.com and hang out on Twitter and argue about all trends around data. <laughs> and uh, so I'm Andy Creeble, and I am the head coach at the Information Labs Data School here in London. And uh, I blog at viswiz.com and uh, have been doing makeovers for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. So you actually started uh, this this makeover thing. Can you tell us a bit about how it how it all began and how yeah. you got into the making over? <laughs> sure. Practice? Yeah, my yeah. pleasure. So um, it actually started uh, back in 2009 when I started blogging, and I really was just looking for an excuse to practice. And I was reading a lot of Stephen Few at the time, and uh, you know being, you know, trying to practice best practices and things like that and following lots of blogs and things and, and saw lots of really bad charts. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, this is a good way for me to practice. I can take a chart and uh, either download the data if it's available or, or recreate it and then create a simpler version and explain what I liked and didn't like about the original and then just present an alternative. And it was just, I, I found it to be a great way to practice. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, you just did it as you went along, but now... The two yeah. of you together do it on this weekly basis, is that right? Yes. Yeah, so I, I was doing it by myself since 2009. And then uh, Andy uh, contacted me in late November last year because he forgot how to use Tableau. Yeah. So he could probably <laughs> pick it up from there. Yeah. So I, I found I was just in change, changes in roles. I wasn't actually practicing what I was preaching so much. So I phoned Andy and said, hey, why don't we do this for a year? You know, you and I will do a makeover each week and we'll post our results on Twitter and And it'll just be the two of us goofing around and I'll get to use Tableau every week. And then, so we started, so we said, let's do it throughout the year of 2016. We'll share the data Sunday or each Sunday and say to people, look, spend an hour or so working on this data set, retell the story, find a new story in this data set. Just think about ways in which you could improve or create a new visualization based on this data set and the original chart. So we thought it would just be a few of us getting involved and little did we know it exploded into something astonishing. So we are, what week are we at? We're at week 48 of 52 and we've had the latest numbers are 2,806 makeovers from wow. 840. From, <laughs> wow. Yeah, from 470 people, uh -huh, which is wow. just crazy. And we're averaging 58 a week at... So Andy and I had no idea, um, but it just exploded into something enormous. And it's, it's just been an amazing year. That's fantastic. So can you tell us a little bit about how do you create new Makeover Mondays? What's the process behind them? Uh, so I, I guess I'll start with kind of how I picked the visualization. So that, that process really hasn't, hasn't changed that much, although I do tend to get more suggestions from people now, especially people mm -hmm. that participate in the project. They send me, uh, they'll, they'll tweet, you know, uh, articles to me or things that uh, they think might be good candidates. Um, I tend to pick the ones that already have the data created just because it's easy. Uh, I, I'm going for as little effort as possible to prepare the data. Uh, and that part's worked pretty well. Um, and then I tweet out the data on usually on Sunday mornings, even though it's makeover Monday, but People tend to... I'm getting in trouble with a lot of spouses on Sundays, I think. <laughs> um, 
But uh, yes, yeah, so kind of the process I follow is I, I tend to start with the original visualization and I start with my critique uh, before I even start rebuilding it. Um, I just, I do a real quick, just, you know, five or six or seven bullet points about what I like and what I don't like, uh, what can be improved. And then what I try to do with the version I create is I try to actually implement the things that I note that I would use as uh, areas for improvement. And I just try to do it quickly. For me, it's about doing something quick and demonstrating that you can do something you know, pretty nice in a very short amount of time. So how much time would you spend on a typical redesign? Is it like a few hours or minutes? Or <laughs> how long does that take? Um, it, it depends. Uh, so generally, I spend uh, probably 45 minutes on the makeover itself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sometimes up to an hour depends on, on how complex the data is. And if I get a, if I get an idea right away, I usually start with a lot of data exploration and then, you know, I write it up on the blog post and do the images and screen captures and things. And that, that actually tends to take more time than the actual makeover itself. Yeah, sure. I guess yeah. The, my my process is similar. The the only th one thing I do, which I'm sure Andy does as well, is if we've taken a chart that is actually embedded within a news story, I tend to, you know, it's like, well, look at the story they were originally trying to tell in the chart itself and then the, 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 within the wider article. And I try, I always take that as, as the starting point. Can I retell the story in a, in a different way? Often, as is the way, I end up in a completely different tangent and find my own little story and, and, and get carried away. Uh, so try to, try to do it within an hour. I think a lot of people doing Makeover Monday have found that, Uh, they've gone down rabbit holes of several hours and it's like, oh my God, I've learned so, I've, you know, we, we end up learning about domains of data we had no idea we would ever need to know about. Um, so yeah, it's just like a, a, a springboard to find information out about the world as well as the charts itself. Yeah, and that's a good point you bring up, Andy. I, I forgot about the, the reading the article part because a lot of times the what they write in the accompanying article is actually a better story than the chart tells. So then, you know, uh, like Andy's saying, sometimes I'll try to, all right, well, I really like what they were saying there. How can I incorporate that back into the story that the chart is trying to tell? And it might just be through changing the title and making the title better uh, or, you know, all kinds of ways you can implement that. So, and how do people participate? Can you explain the process a little bit there? Uh, yeah, they, uh, so we, we, we've got a website, makeovermonday.co.uk. Each week, Andy adds uh, the data set to the data set page. And it's always available as an Excel file and also a, a Tableau extract. So anybody using Tableau can just connect straight to that. But if they want to use something else, then the Excel file is there. Then we say, share the result on Twitter. Use the hashtag makeovermonday. Oh, okay. Uh, and then Andy has been working extremely hard because all of the results are on a Pinterest board, which now has <laughs> oh, 2,800 wow. pins on it. And yeah. when I, yeah, that's been a lot that's of work. That's a lot of clicks. Yeah, but there are, but <laughs> it, but it's, Pinterest. It's, but it's just amazing going through and scrolling through this enormous catalog of different perspectives on 48 data sets. It's, it's an astonishing yeah, yeah. resource. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge repository, and mm. especially because all the chart, like some of them, refer to the same underlying data. You see all these different yeah. variations and yeah. all the different takes you can you can have, right? So I think th this could actually be a whole objective to analyze that data set. You know, that could take the whole next year basically <laughs> for you if you wanted to, yeah. to to see what you know how many 
like slope graphs do you see how many pie charts how many bar charts uh, you know like this is super interesting well mm-hmm. i was just looking through uh andy and my own makeovers i was looking through the 50 the 48 makeovers we've done so far and i was like yeah you know what we actually just do do bar charts and line charts mostly uh, <laughs> you know it, it, it's amazing how uncomplex Guess our makeovers what? are which which is which is a good thing but it, I, I was also yeah, thinking yeah. yeah we should quantify how many chart types are used it'd be interesting <laughs> Next year. So, looking over the whole year, do you have any like favorite redesigns? Which ones stood out? Were there any like funny stories oh, wow. where somebody sued you <laughs> for the redesign or whatever? <laughs> what what um, were the big the big stories? Well, we haven't had any authors get mad as yet, but okay. we also haven't okay, asked good. them. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think one one really interesting outcome is um, Andy. I don't remember the the name of the guy that did the global warming one. Um, but he got, he was really excited. You guys know the spiral chart of the global warming. Yep. So we yep. used that data set one week and, uh, and that guy got very engaged with, <laughs> with the project, um, and loved everything. And he was, he was tweeting people back and he was really, really excited. So I was a little worried about that one, actually, that I thought he might be a little bit offended, but I mean, mm. Andy and I both thought his chart was really good. Of course, it requires, the animation is actually what makes that visualization great. Um, so it was really interesting to see how people could tell a, a different story with such a great data set, but in a static form. Because when when you're looking at the Pinterest board, they're all static. So it, it makes it, you know, you, I, I know it's changed the way I design things as I design, assuming it's going to just be an image now. So uh, at least for this project. Yeah, uh, that was Ed Hawkins, uh, climate scientist at Reading. Uh, yeah, and I mean, that, that climate data in itself, I mean, we've had... It's just amazing. It's just a time series of uh, so 160 years worth of data and uh, a temp- global temperature. I mean, it's a, a median anomaly data, but it's essentially the global temperature. And it's just, it's amazing. We've done that one live with work groups and, and groups. And it's incredible how people can still find new ways with a mm-hmm. very simple data set to tell, find new insights or tell a story completely differently. It, I, I think that's been one of my favorite weeks uh, just to see the variety of things. I did I did get told off one week. Uh, we did a makeover on football players' data in the English Premier League. And the, the source there came from the Daily Mail. And I'm, I'm not a fan of the Daily Mail newspaper, UK newspaper. Um, and so my, my blog post was pretty critical, I think, because I'm pretty critical of the paper. And, of course, <laughs> the, the, the original author of the of the chart got kind of upset uh, we had a, you know we had a little bit of a back and forth uh, and 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 it, it it's one of the big learning points about how to critique constructively because in that yeah. week i didn't do a constructive criticism and then people don't yeah then people the, the authors get upset so we've always been mindful to critique in a way that is uh, additive rather than destructive. Yeah, and and the week that we did the global uh, the global warming, uh, we had eighty eight different visualizations submitted. So uh, oh. you know, just think of what that how that helped how that can help Ed spread his message. And um, you know, it, it was a lot of them got picked up on Reddit and different things like that. So it was it was just great exposure for for a great cause as well. Mm-hmm. So one thing I like about the format that you're following, I've been scrolling through some of the. Uh, 
some some of the makeover Mondays and it looks to me that you try to follow this template where you you describe the problem and then you say what you like about the original one and what what can be improved right so you're trying to balance the the two things which i think works really really well so how, how did the, the the project evolve over time did you did you just have this same steps same template from the very beginning or it's been changing over time I think the, the, the process is, has not really changed at all, um, but every data set is very different. Yeah. Um, so your process changes because you explore the data differently and the discoveries you make are different. So that's what I really enjoy about it is, you know, I've probably done, you know, 200 or so at least makeovers uh, just on my blog. So that's 200 different data sets I've gotten to work with. And they're all different. And I just feel like I'm learning so much by doing it that way. And that's, sure. that's what I like the most about it is just the learning process. But I don't think, you know, the, the, um, the critiquing process, I try to be pretty consistent with that if I can. Yeah, you've been very good at the consistency there. I think that a couple of things that I've noticed is, you know, we started slowly and then we saw in the first sort of 20 weeks, we'd, you know, one week somebody would do a tall, long, thin chart. And then the next thing, you know, for the following week, there'd be a kind of a ripple effect and loads of people would do things like that. And then, then it was slope charts and suddenly everyone was yeah, doing yeah. slope charts. So there's definitely this, I mean, well, without a doubt, there's this learning from each other, trying new techniques out, mm -hmm. which, you know, anecdotally, you know, it's the amount of people who are just like, oh, I've learned so much. And, and you can see that. And then another thing that happened about in the summer, so about week 26, week 30, uh, people were getting more and more elaborate with the makeovers, right? And to the point it's like, well, clearly they were not taking an hour. And then Andy posted, uh, did some stats on how many people were downloading the data and, and noticing that it didn't, you know, if hundreds of people were downloading the, like, downloading the data set, but only 40 or 50 were publishing a viz, it's like, well, why are people not um, sharing the visits. And then it revealed, then a few people commented on that saying, well, it, it seems to have turned into a graphic design competition. Uh, and you're like, okay. whoa, mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Uh, and, you know, and then I had a few mm -hmm. people talk to me privately about that. It's like, you, you know, it's too intimidating. And then suddenly like, oh my God, we've, we've completely sort of, we've encouraged the elaborate path, which is great, right? I, you know, if people want to go and make print ready things, that's amazing. But this is not about uh, intimidating people. So I think Andy and I reset uh that in the in the next couple of weeks we, we both put out blog posts saying you know what you can keep it simple um and and that's also extremely important because this project is as much about encouraging people to start this journey into data visualization and analytics as it is about rewarding you know the, the elaborate amazing pieces of complex work so that was a really good learning point. So when people start uh, publishing their own solutions, what happens next? They are just discussing about their own solutions and you, of course, um, write your own comments about that. So what kind of inter... How, how do people interact once the once the solutions start, start coming in? Do you have any kind of judgment of kind of like, um, I don't know... Most valuable makeover? Yeah, exactly. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I could walk you through a couple things that I'm seeing. Um, yeah. There's... Uh, so, for example, Eva Murray, who lives in Germany, she's mm -hmm. uh, she started to do kind of the same thing that Andy and I do, where... Um, you know, she writes what she likes and, and doesn't like about the charts. And I find that really helpful because I'm, I'm missing things and it helps me learn from what other people are seeing. Um, there's Charlie H who every week seems to download four or five.
dive and dissect them and writes a blog post about what he learned. Yeah. Um, and then, um, but most of them I don't really reply to. I, I will, I will like them on Twitter, but that's not necessarily that I like the visits that I'm acknowledging that I pinned it. Um, so I, I, I think some people may take it meaning that I like them, but, um, uh, so, I, I pin them all. Some of them I reply to, especially newcomers. I think Andy and I tend to always just send them a message like, hey, welcome. Oh, yeah, yeah, glad to course. have you on board. Because I think people really appreciate that and they've told us that. Uh -huh. uh, and then I've also taken a few makeover Mondays that other people have done and I make those over again. Oh, so okay. I'll have published my own and then somebody will submit one that I think is you know generally not that good uh -huh. um, or could be could be improved and I'll do a step-by-step -step makeover and I'll do it you know and I'll and I'll create like a gift that has the step-by-step -step makeover process oh. that I do on theirs oh. so um, now that's been received well by some people and not well by others um, oh, okay. so I, I need to be a little more diligent about asking the people uh, before I just take their viz and uh, and and remake it so uh, you know that's something I've learned along the way as well is I'm, I'm not the best at being polite sometimes <laughs> it's it's interesting that because you know you've got to be mindful of criticism and 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 when people are making things over you know if they're constraining themselves within one hour to do a one hour sort of makeover then they they will be making compromises and it's, it's you can't put yourself in the mind of the person doing the makeover so it is something we're always mindful of being sensitive about uh one one aspect of uh, the way the feedback loop I like I, I like seeing is something that happened a, a couple of weeks ago and has happened plenty of times through the year. So two weeks ago, we we took the lyrics from the top 100 songs uh, from songlyrics.com. So we had every word in every occur, uh, every position in all these songs. And you see these brilliant little collaborations kind of pop up. Uh, so Chris Love uh, started looking at uniqueness of words. And then he and Rody Zakovich started bouncing back and forth ideas. And then the next thing you know, Chris Love is going to try and do a Notabilia-inspired makeover. Uh, Moritz, you are the man behind the amazing Notabilia. And so he <laughs> thought, could he take that approach to visualize unique uniqueness of lyrics? And then on Twitter, you see this iteration. And you, you're like, oh, clearly Chris has got himself carried away and he's having a great <laughs> evening. And then him and Rody are bouncing back ideas. And, and that's, so you see this viz kind of evolving in collaboration in real time on Twitter. And, and you know, I, I, this is, these are amazing conversations that happen because mm -hmm. people are just experimenting, playing, uh, and, and just unleashing their creativity. Yeah, and it's nice because you give everybody like a common starting point. And I think this brings people together and that's point. Otherwise, yeah. you know, if if everybody was just working on their things and nobody knows about what everybody else yeah. is talking about, you know, this cannot that's, happen. So it's such a simple right. mechanism to bring in this one shared, like common ground and then see where that takes you. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, my, my life is mostly spent working with businesses. We're trying to, to encourage organizations to bring, think about this data-driven culture. And, yeah. and they just don't think beyond the single dead-end dashboard. They're like, well, we've done the dashboard, we're done. And it's like, no, what if what if 50 people in your organization could take your sales data and each spend an hour playing with it once a month? It'd be like, you would find out things you had no idea and revolutionize yeah. your business. So it's it's become a great uh, 
sort of project to, or a great uh, thing to use in in the business world as well because it encourages people to think oh oh yeah 50 different versions of the same data set what what might we discover and i think i think uh, adding on to that andy um here in the uk cloudstream uh, partner who's a, a partner of tableau they just hired somebody and they're using makeover monday as their training platform so they they hired the guy what a month ago now i guess maybe Something like that, and they his his job his only job between now and the end of the year is to do all fifty two makeovers <laughs> as his way as his way of training. Yeah. Um. So I I never thought of it being used that way, but that's a great way to do it as well. Because what what better way to practice than to just you know get lots of different data sets and do them quickly? So yeah. Yeah. This is a good time to take a little break and talk about our sponsor this week, the Center for Interdisciplinary Methodologies, CIM, at the University of Warwick. What are the opportunities and challenges of big data? How do digital sensors offer new ways to shape smart cities? And how can social media help us get a grip on world-changing events? Students at the CIM respond to such questions creatively and critically through innovative masters and PhD research. The topics offered range from visualization, big data, digital sociology, advanced quantitative research and spatial methods, all the way to user interface cultures and playful media. And also the staff are really from a diverse range of backgrounds from computer science, biology, media studies, but also social science, design and architecture. There's a huge emphasis on practical and conceptual learning with weekly drop-in computer lab sessions supported by their academic technologists. And there's also additional events throughout the year. For instance, they just had a data drawing workshop with Stephanie Pozavik, which you might know if you have listened to some of our past episodes with her. And this program naturally offers a lot of different career paths into data science, but also creative industries, digital marketing, data journalism, urban analytics, and smart cities. And Bursaries and scholarships are also available across all degrees. So if you're interested, find out more about studying and working with CIM at warwick.ac.uk slash data stories. That's W-A-R-W-I-C-K dot A-C dot U-K slash data stories. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. And now back to the interview. I'd like to come back to the intimidation aspect. I found that very interesting because there was also <laughs> roughly a year or two ago, there was a similar discussion because there was also a little wave of critiques and redesigns where people would take like maybe two, well, let's say uh, in quotes, original charts and, and make them into something proper again in quotes, you know, the the right way and the other one is the wrong way. And I know that many people who, who come maybe more from a design background or try to do, try out new things in data visualization are often a bit intimidated by these discussions where somebody very loudly states that some, you know, this type of plotting this data is wrong and this is the proper way to do it and everybody agrees. You know, th this can create this sort of groupthink also in a way that, mm -hmm. yeah, your rules of thumb are probably most of the time true, but How can we progress if you're never allowed to try something new, you know, that, that is goes a bit beyond what we already know. So how, how did you handle that, that tension? Uh, That's, it's amazing. I, uh, Roddy Zakovich, he's a Tableau Zen master, you know, and he, 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 in his day job, he's like Stephen Few bar charts, right? And yeah. at night he yeah. becomes super makeover Monday man and, and goes nuts <laughs> with creativity. And, and, and then, and then, 
he started getting a bit of flat because some of the he was doing curvy lines, you know, the, you know, uh, look, just doing a breaking the rules of core best diagrams, right? <laughs> you know, doing things <laughs> that are uh, that are not uh, within the realm of best practice, and and it's yeah. like, oh, and he got really really <laughs> upset, quite rightly, because. He's like, I'm not doing this for best practice. I'm doing it to be creative. And and then also, I always try and hold back. It's like, you know, there is no such thing as best practice. You, you know, as long as it succeeds in the goals you had and the audience needed, then then you're fine. I, I, I yeah, I, I used to be a zealot of Stephen Few and say, you know, everything should be a bar chart or a line chart and everything else sucks. And I've seen the light <laughs> since. <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying makeup of Monday can actually open people's mind because they see much more different stuff or they can be much wilder than they would be in the day job is it, I, would you say that i think whatever they want to bring to the project is yeah. fine if they if they want to do a stephen few style dashboard then i'd celebrate that too right if but if they yeah, want to yeah. do something curvy and round and bubbly then you know what this this is a place where you can play um, and we can have a good conversation about it on Twitter. And I would always hope that I would never do it in a way that says you are wrong. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not right. what, what I sometimes miss in redesign discussions is like this acknowledgement that the original designer came probably into this project with a briefing or there were concrete, like, you know, goals and limitations. So I think often people take a chart and say like, I don't like round things. Let's make it straight. <laughs> or like, I don't like pie charts. Let's make it stacked something. But I mean, the, the original like designer probably had a certain context and maybe, you know, some of the ideas you come up with straight away, maybe they were not an option for, for a couple of reasons. So mm. I, I, I would always be curious then, you know, with these redesigns to hear the original designer again, say like, why had they thought about that too? And, uh, Why didn't they maybe consciously not go down that path? Have you tried that? Like, or you said some of the original authors reached out to you and, and commented. Do you typically ask the original authors, like what their intentions were? Not, no, I never do. Um, I, uh, I usually tag them if they're on Twitter. I'll tag them mm -hmm. on the picture that I post when I do my makeover. Um, but I don't, I think only Ed Hawkins is the only one that's ever replied. Oh, wow. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I, I try to be very conscious of not criticizing the author because I don't think anybody's ever, well, I shouldn't say anybody. Uh, I think most people don't intentionally create bad charts. They just don't know any better. And I think that's one of the things we're also learning in Makeover Monday. Everybody that submits something, it when they submit it, it makes sense to them and that's okay. Mm, um, yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, it may not make sense to me. And, and also what's bad is maybe sometimes depends on the setting and depends yeah. on your goals, right? So there's maybe not an absolute notion of bad uh, in that. Term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not what maybe Andy or I would create and might not make sense to us, but if it makes sense to them, then then good yeah. for them. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it, it uh, Yeah, in hindsight, there's many things we would have done differently. It would have been great to get some of the original authors to comment a bit more clearly. On, on some of their original motivations. Yeah. Too much work though. <laughs> so there, there, there's, there's another aspect that I'm really curious about. Um, so being a teacher myself, um, I'm really interested on the educational value of what you are doing. And, uh, so what, what I started doing this year in my, in my visualization course is to have some uh, visualization design workshops and they are in spirit somewhat similar to what you are doing with the difference that what I do, I, I start from an existing project. 
I kind of like reverse engineer the project, but don't show the original to my students. Mm -hmm. I just give, I only give the problem to them and I mm -hmm. use the original at the end so that they can compare their solution with the original one. So I kind of like use the original as the gold standard rather than the other way around. And That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> And do you give them, so you give them an actual task, a directed task with the data too. So use this data to answer this question. That's what's been really instructive for me, because rather than giving a visualization, I give a problem, right? So then what happens is that I try to expose them to a similar situation that the original authors had, right? Uh, at least I try. I mean, it, it can, can never be perfect. <laughs> and mm. um, so that's one aspect. And another aspect is... As I see students developing their own solutions, it's amazing to me how, how much I personally learn because they explore solutions that I would never have considered myself, right? And some, um, and of course, for every solution, there are some positive and negative aspects, right? But over time, you start detecting some kind of patterns or principles or guidelines, right? And that's an aspect that I'm really, really intrigued by. And I'm wondering if you've been noticing anything similar in your case, because my sense is that out of so many solutions and exercises, after a while you start recognizing sub-patterns and this may actually become some higher level knowledge that you guys can share with, with the community, right? So is that happening on your side? Because I see that happening on my side with very few examples and you've been uh, working on what? So the last makeover Monday is 40 something, right? 48. 48, yes. So do you have anything like that? I, I would say I, I, find, I find your process interesting because the, the benefit of doing it your way is you're not biasing them with the original. Yeah. Um, you're letting them kind of find their own story. Um, Whereas I'm approaching it from, I already have something and I want to teach people how I would make that existing chart better. So it's, it's the same idea, just from a different approach. Um, so I, I also think um, uh, the, from, from the educational aspect, there's a lot of people that don't ever look at the original chart. Uh, most people just go and download the data and don't bother looking at the source, don't bother reading the article. They just want a data set to play with. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, uh, I guess, the benefit of, of the project being organized the way that it is is people can use it any way they want. Yeah, I think that that's so, that's totally true. That's almost, you know, as we get to the end of this, you know, what happens next? It's like, well, there are now 48 and counting data sets that anybody can go and use. And go and take take for the take in their own direction, you know. And I think uh, people trying to get into this field of data visualization and visual analytics, they're always crying out for good data. And it it's, seems like it would be simple to find good data sets, but as Andy knows, because he's done all the work, it's really hard. Uh, and so now we have this resource where people can look at the original or not, or not, and go and play with endless amounts of data, and then go and see that two thousand eight hundred different versions of those data sets. So do you have a sense, so when when somebody submits a new design, right, I'm pretty sure that you have at least a first gut reaction. It's like, oh, that's a good design, right? Or, or that's not that good. Right? Do you have any idea why some designs feel good, right? Uh, 
did you did you try to do that? I'm curious about. I think that's that's an aspect of your project that really I find really really interesting. You're looking for what, the holy grail. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what makes a good good design, right? So did you try to think about that? No, yeah, I didn't. I think so. <laughs> I, okay. I mean, I, I don't think Fine. about. It, I, but just thinking about my initial reactions when I see the tweets is you know you always have oh you know that kind of looks nice or or that's that's hideous <laughs> um or you know sometimes it's somewhere in the middle uh i think most of the time for me it's clutter people don't rem okay. don't take enough things out of the visualizations mm -hmm. and they make them too busy yeah. uh they try mm -hmm. to they try to create charts for the sake of creating charts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when they don't really add to the story or they put color in when color's not necessary yeah. but that's all just experience. You know, these, the, the people that are doing that are people that are, that are new and, um, you know, I'm not going to blast them on Twitter for something like that. Yeah. You can see that an example of Tom O'Hara, who's developed as a storyteller incredibly this year as a result of makeover Monday. And, uh, <laughs> I guess one book I read this year, uh, Don Norman's design of everyday things. 23. Oh, that's 20, the new, new edition. Yeah. After, it's 23 years old, right? 20, uh, but yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Astonishing. An amazing book. And, yeah, 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 and he talks about levels of processing. The first level is the visceral response. Yeah, mm. and that's mm. that's like the the instant. Do I or do I not like this? And so you know, Andy and I know when we see the tweet and when we see the picture whether we like it or not. But it's really interesting, Enrico, in terms of quantifying and actually looking at this corpus, this body of work, and trying to quantify those kind of things. That could be a really interesting project next year. <laughs> Talking about next year, so you're you're trying to wrap it up this year, right? <laughs> so yeah, at week forty-eight, do you want to go for fifty-two or ending? You're ending in December with the late last Monday. I don't know what the last Monday of the year is. And what's afterwards? Like, do you like just freeze the data set and say like that's it, or will you document it in some way? Is there a book or a movie or a movie? <laughs> What's in store? <laughs> I thought about a movie. That's, yeah. uh, that'd be pretty boring. TV series, maybe. Um, yeah. Every Monday, a new one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing it just because it's been part of my. It's basically been a weekly part of my life since 2009. So I'm not sure what else I would do on Mondays. Okay. Um, okay. I may not be as timely with getting the data sets posted and things like that, but I probably won't create the Tableau extracts anymore. Um, there's things I'm going. To to do to simplify it for myself mm -hmm. um you know people are more than they can instead of dragging the tableau extract into tableau they can just drag the excel file in it's not very difficult um i've thought about some other things some other projects i can do to help the people that have been doing this all year or that have learned a lot and how can i help continue their development so i've got a couple of project ideas that i'm lining up for that um so i know i'll probably still be very busy with it but no more pinterest i yeah. cannot wait to not use pinterest ever again <laughs> <laughs> and twitter i don't really like twitter either yeah well okay i think we we covered <laughs> quite quite a bit of ground it's uh it's a very interesting project i'm actually thinking of participating <laughs> myself that, that, there's, there's a few nice. more weeks left too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and there's 48 other we weeks to do as well yeah if i yeah. manage can you give us a preview of what is coming next no. No, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I mean, we, we, would, we would love people to keep participating. You know, the, there's 48 data sets. It's just brilliant seeing what people come up with. 
you know, we want to see people using other tools as well. Most of this has been done in Tableau, but we never said oh, yeah. do it in Tableau. Um, yeah. But if people want to do it in anything else, then that's great too. Yeah, there's yeah. there's one guy that's been doing them all in D3, and I think he's got, I think he's done almost every week. Wow. Uh, if not, yeah. if not everyone so far, he's done, you know, 95% of them probably, and he does them all in D3. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, the data sets are built to be used in any tool. So very nice. I think it's such an amazing like repository. Is it, uh, did you tag the solutions in some way? Like, can you search for certain chart types or maybe recurring data set features or something like this? Uh, I mean, otherwise maybe it could be done by the community because I think just, you know, having this resource of all these different charts and then maybe being able to scan them, look for patterns or find like maybe, 30 40 slope graphs if you're designing one yourself that that could be super valuable right we didn't do that but oh wouldn't it be great to print them all out and put them on a wall in a timeline of makeovers yeah that would be nice i need to find yeah. an intern for that <laughs> <laughs> and a really big exhibition space no yeah, like well, a yeah. Yeah, like a <laughs> <laughs> hangar or something yeah. <laughs> yeah nice so i will put a few links in the uh in the blog post you will also find links to the most like maybe your favorite like weeks or something like this so you can get a quick start and of course the big big pinterest board and yeah maybe we should all take part in the last few weeks and please do yeah produce as many redesigns as possible i'll give you a hint for the upcoming weeks the data sets will be very very simple because we're getting to the holidays <laughs> exactly yeah, that's good. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something doable for everybody though yeah very good amazing project okay. yeah thanks so much for coming on the show and we'll much look forward to seeing what's what's in store for the last few weeks and afterwards well thank you thank you thank you bye-bye bye bye bye-bye Hey guys, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, we have a request. If you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. And here's also some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We're of course on Twitter at twitter.com slash datastories. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, all in one word. And we also have an email newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox and be notified whenever we publish an episode, you can go to our homepage datastory.es and look for the link that you find on the bottom in the footer. So one last thing that we want to tell you is that we love to get in touch with our listeners, especially if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or amazing people you want us to invite or even projects you want us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So don't hesitate to get in touch with us. It's always a great thing for us. And that's all for now. See you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories. This episode of Data Stories is sponsored by the Center for Interdisciplinary Methodologies at the University of Warwick, where students can study subjects such as visualization, big data, digital sociology, advanced quantitative research, and spatial methods, including geographic information systems, all the way to user interface cultures and playful media, and much more. Check out their website at warwick.ac.uk slash data stories. That's W-A-R-W-I-C-K dot slash data stories.